And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the Lord are the Lord, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Our Father, uh, we are thankful that uh, even in these unsettling times that you are in control. Um, we pray for Jim and Amber, for, uh, for your healing hand upon them, um, for your protection. Uh, we pray that for all of us. Um, and we pray for your spirit to speak uh, through the words that, that Jim has for us. Um, would we meet you, Jesus, um, as we look in your word that points us to you, uh, the true living word um, that brings life to the world. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Emmanuel. Um, wow, this is not the way I want to be preaching uh, <laughs> today. Um, last night, Amber tested positive for COVID, um, and she's fine, and we're fine, um, but we need to be at home. And so this is our uh, last-minute contingency. So will you bear with us? Um, let's pray together. Almighty Father, as we come to your word, we ask that you will do a work in our hearts. Will you give us the humility that you love to exalt? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everyone. Um, here's the question we've been asking all month here at Emmanuel. Um, here's the question. Why did Jesus come? So we're asking that because Advent is ending. The word Advent means the arrival or the coming. And Christmas celebrates Jesus uh, being born and arriving. So it makes sense to ask, why did Jesus come? And Jesus's mother, Mary, has been helping us answer that question. So Mary composed an absolutely masterful poem. We call it the Magnificat. We're encouraging everybody to memorize it and learn it. Uh, and her poem, her uh, song, is brilliant for many reasons. Part of it is it sums up key themes in the Hebrew scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. And at the same time, 
Her poem anticipates key themes in Jesus's ministry. And because of that, uh, it's a perfect poem for helping us grasp uh, some of the key reasons that Jesus came. Now, last week, we said that Jesus came to shatter human pride. But now there's a second part, of, part to that. Jesus came not only to scatter human pride, but also to exalt the humble. And you can see that in Mary's song. Look at it, verse uh, 52. Speaking about God, Mary says, God has brought down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted those of humble estate. Now, today we're going to focus on that second bit. Jesus came to exalt the humble. And in order to grasp that better, we're going to reach back into the Old Testament. Now, why are we doing that? Well, because Mary's song echoes the Old Testament at almost every single line. In other words, each line in Mary's poem has a big backstory. And one of the most important backstories for Mary is a woman called Hannah. Do you know who Hannah is? Well, if you don't know who Hannah is, you will shortly. And as we look at Hannah and her song, we're going to learn this. Jesus came to exalt the humble because that's part of God's character. It's part of who he is. He values exalting the humble. And when we see that, we're going to also understand how it's key to our own transformation. Now, let me explain what I mean by all that. Uh, turn it over to Hannah's song. So that's the reading from 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Now, as you turn there, i got to tell you, friends, this prayer, this poem by Hannah, it is an absolute treasure. Why do I say that? Well, many reasons, but here's one. Um, this story, this song from Hannah, is set somewhere around 1,000 years before Jesus, so about 3,000 years ago. Now, uh, we do not have a lot of literature written by women from 3,000 years ago. Like, you don't hear the woman's voice very much in the ancient Near East. But right here, we have a treasure. Hannah is not a woman of extremely high status. In fact, she's a woman who has borne the weight of cultural contempt. And the reason she has borne the weight of cultural contempt is that um, before this, for a long time, Hannah had no children. Now, in that society, a married woman who doesn't have a son is next, has next to no status within the community. Children, especially sons, told everyone in the community that you were a woman of worth. And Hannah didn't have that. And because she had no children, she suffered terrible contempt. So, for instance, um, her husband had another wife, and this other wife had a bunch of kids. And therefore, this other wife had a much higher status than Hannah. And this other wife leveraged her higher stata, status to abuse Hannah terribly. And then, to make matters worse, when Hannah goes to the temple to pray about all this, um, she actually goes to the tabernacle. It was a temporary temple. Um, she goes to the temple to pray about all this, and the priest, a guy called Eli, sees Hannah weeping and praying and pouring out her heart to God, and he jumps to the conclusion that she's drunk. So once again, Hannah is held in contempt, both at home and at her place of worship. And we find out a little bit later that Eli, the priest, had two sons who were also priests, and these two sons were abusing women uh, who worked for them, and they were extorting worshipers who they were supposed to be serving. And I point all this out to say, Hannah is living in a culture of contempt. 
contempt for the weak, contempt for women, contempt for women who have no children. And yet, despite all of that, thousands of years later, we're reading Hannah today. And I want to know why. I sometimes imagine sitting down with Hannah and saying, Hannah, why did you compose this prayer? What's the story behind it? Um, why is your voice, why is your voice endured for thousands of years? Now, I imagine her responding by saying, um, Jim, just read my poem. It's all explained. In fact, it's explained in verse 2. So look at verse 2. It reads like this. It says, there was no one holy, that's going to be an important word, there's no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do you notice how she's celebrating God's uniqueness? How God is unlike everybody else? Let me explain this. Um, Hannah lived in a culture of contempt. And very often, um, uh, any given culture, we have a tendency to imagine that if there is a God, uh, we imagine that the God that's out there must be a kind of bigger version of whatever we value. It's very often, people very often imagine that God is the imaginary projection of whatever they value most. And therefore, if you live in a culture of contempt, if you live in a culture that values, for instance, the strong and the successful and the beautiful, and if you live in a culture that uh, has contempt for the weak or the unsuccessful or the failure or the poor, if that's the way your culture works, then you're going to uh, probably imagine that God's like that too. You're going to think that God admires the strong and has disregard for the weak. But Hannah tells us a different story. Hannah says that the Lord is not as we expect him to be. Hannah tells us that the Lord of Israel stands over and against the culture of contempt. Hannah tells us that the Lord of Israel does not share the values of Hannah's dominant culture. The Lord does not admire the proud. He values the humble. Now, that's part of what the word holy means in verse 2. So the word holy is a super churchy word, right? What does it mean? Well, it, holy means set apart or completely unique or different and different in a good way. And when we talk about God, holiness, at least, is God's absolutely unique goodness, truth, and beauty all bundled together. And Hannah's song celebrates that part of God's holiness is that rather than keeping contempt upon her like everybody else did, the Lord met her loneliness with honor. The Lord exalted Hannah right in the midst of her humility. How did the Lord honor Hannah? Well, the Lord honored Hannah by giving her a son in answer to her prayer. Uh, and the Lord honored Hannah by giving her not just any son, but a son called Samuel, who ended up being one of Israel's most important prophets, changed the course of the whole nation. But the Lord honored Hannah in even more ways. The Lord honored Hannah by making her a prophet in her own right, right? Because this song is a prophecy. But above all, the Lord honored Hannah by drawing Hannah into a bond of love with him. This whole song is an expression of joyful love, isn't it? I mean, you can see that, right? Look, look at verse 1. Hannah says, My heart exults in the Lord. My horn, or my dignity, 
is exalted in the Lord. You can see and feel the bond of love that Hannah has with the Lord. That's part of her exaltation. Okay, so Emmanuel, God exalts the humble. That's part of his holiness. It's central to his character. And my guess is that a lot of us find that attractive. Do you find that attractive? I hope you do. However, I think if we think about it for a few minutes, we will also find it alarming. And here's why we probably should find it alarming. Um, we live in a culture of contempt, do we not? Like, go out and read the Twitter feeds of like your cultural opponents. Don't you find that they're full of contempt? And isn't that part of what makes you so irritated with them? Now, it's easy to find uh, your cultural opponents showing pride and contempt and stuff like that. But think not only about your cultural opponent, think also about your own tribe, your cultural allies. Can you see how your own tribe, your own cultural group, whatever, however you define that, can you see how your team holds others in contempt? And then stop thinking about tribes and teams and cultural debates, and just think about your own heart. Can you detect contempt for others in your own life, soul, heart, the way you secretly think about others? Now, why am I asking this? I'm asking this because we need to be able to diagnose contempt resident in our own hearts. Because we live in a culture that very often uh, uh, assumes that certain types of contempt for others can even be a virtuous thing. But here's the problem. Contempt for other people is often a symptom of pride. And if God's holiness means that he exalts the humble, then your contempt and my contempt, your pride and my pride, will disqualify us for that exaltation. And don't take my word for it. Listen to Hannah. Look at verse 3. Hannah says, Take uh, talk no more very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Put differently, pride is perilous before a holy God. For example, do you remember Eli's sons, uh, the priests who were exploiting women and extorting worshipers? Do you know what happened to them? So just one chapter after Hannah's song, we find out that God warns these two guys, but then God kills them. God puts them to death. Pride is perilous before a holy God. Now, does that make you uncomfortable? It makes me uncomfortable. And I think the reason it makes me uncomfortable is that when I think about God's holiness and how he exalts the humble, but also what that, how he is uh, uh, hostile towards my pride, that makes me uncomfortable because I, my pride within my heart starts to squirm around and I want to justify my pride and I don't really want to have to deal with a holy God. But on the other hand, consider this. The same holiness that makes a proud man like Jim squirm made Hannah rejoice. Why? Because she knows that a God who stands against human pride is also a God who is safe for her to trust. And that's why she sings. And that's why a few thousand years later, she stands as a prophet to our age. 
She stands as a prophet saying to us, verse four, the bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Or verse nine, he will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall man prevail. Imagine how our culture and our world would be different if we stopped uh, exalting human pride and we started to value humility. Now, Emmanuel, when you see the Lord's character and when you see his holiness, and especially when our pride begins to fear the Lord, that's when we're ready for a deep transformation. That's when we're ready to embrace humility. Don't you want to be humble? Don't you want to be the one like Hannah whom the Lord exalts? Well, do you remember last week? Um, last week we said that toxic pride is when we center self so that self becomes our source of satisfaction and security and fulfillment. Now, humility, real humility is the opposite. Humility, humility is not when we think badly of ourselves. Humility is when we decenter self and recenter God. And he becomes the source of our satisfaction, security, and fulfillment. And all the joy in Hannah's song, and all the joy in Mary's song, and all the joy in the Christian life flows from that decentering of self and recentering of God so that he becomes the source for our satisfaction, security, and fulfillment. So how does that happen? How can we embrace that kind of humility that the Lord loves to exalt? Well, we said this last week, you can't get humble by just trying hard. Because as soon as you, like, right? You, as soon as you try to be humble, it backfires and you're proud of your humility and it doesn't work. We need someone to give us humility as a gift. It's gotta come from outside us. And that's part of the reason why Jesus came. Jesus came to exalt the humble. And in a wonderful way, Jesus also came to give a humility that we cannot generate ourselves. Look at Hannah's prayer. Look at verse 10, right at the end. Do you see how she says, the Lord will judge the ends of the earth and he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Now, do you see that last word, anointed? That's the Hebrew word, Messiah. Now, in the beginning, the word Messiah was just a word that applied to any of Israel's kings. But later on, it came to mean God's final king who would set this broken world right. And so Hannah is actually one of the early prophets who anticipated Jesus' coming. She anticipated his advent. But look back at the verse and consider Hannah's point. Her whole song has been about how the Lord exalts the humble. And then she ends by saying, the Lord's going to exalt the Messiah. Now put those two things together and you can see she's saying the Lord's going to exalt the Messiah through the Messiah's humility, just like the Lord exalted Hannah through her humility. Only when he exalts the Messiah through his humility, both his humility and his exaltation are going to be bigger than we can imagine. And that's exactly what happened when Jesus came. Jesus is God in person. And God values humility. So Jesus had to be perfectly humble in order to accurately display God's holiness. But the extent of his humility is beyond all imagining because Jesus became humble to the point of death. Now, why did he die? Well, remember those corrupt priests that God put to death, Eli's sons? 
Their pride deserved death because pride is perilous before a holy God. Well, Jesus was so perfectly humble that he voluntarily suffered the punishment that our pride deserved. And he did that so that the proud could be pardoned. Now, if you want to be humble, look away from yourself and look at Jesus. Look at Jesus's perfect humility. Look at Jesus giving all that he is so that you and I can be pardoned from our pride. And as you see his mercy and his gift to you, Jesus will begin to decenter self. And in its place, Jesus will become the center. And the more Jesus becomes the center and your source for satisfaction, fulfillment, and security, the more Hannah's song will become the perfect expression of your own love for Christ. You will find Jesus exalting you just like he exalted Hannah. And in particular, you'll find yourself bound to Jesus in a bond of love just like Hannah was bound to the Lord in a bond of love. Friends, Jesus came to exalt the humble. That's who God is. It's his holiness. And as we embrace humility, that humility will become the pathway to our own transformation as we receive Jesus' grace and we are exalted into a relationship of love with him and increasing intimacy. So Emmanuel, ask Jesus to impart that gift this Advent and this Christmas. Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com give.